0: Last week we started talking about being on mission. And as, as I've gone throughout the week, I've really just hung out with the Lord on this, this topic. And He's given me some, some scriptures to dive into this morning. And I want to start by reading again. And, and I know you'll be able to see it on the screen, but I want you to really get this into you. I remember whenever I first came to the summit, of course it wasn't called the summit then, but whenever I first came to the summit I was in a discipleship process in which all the, the mission and vision of the house, the, the, the way that things happened here on this campus was, was uh, taught to me, and I understood it because, you know, sometimes when you come from a different, Uh, background you need to learn the new background right when you come from a different place you need to learn what you're connecting to what you're what you're coming into and and I remember looking on the back of the bulletin and uh, and reading what that what that mission and vision was for this house and we've been declaring this for over a year now, the, the, the revamped version of that. I think what we did was we took a, a paragraph, a large paragraph, and made it into a small paragraph because we got to make the, the mission, as we talked about last week, the mission is broad. The vision is focused, but the, the mission is broad, and God gives us that mission, and so our mission should reflect the mission that he's given to the church, and so we, we insert on mission into our mission statement, and, uh, and so we say we declare that the summit is on mission. To ensure that every man, woman, and child have repeated opportunities to hear, see, and experience the kingdom of God. So they're not just going to hear it from you. That's great. And I hope you're declaring the kingdom. I hope you're speaking kingdom life into people. I hope when people call you because they want prayer, I hope that you're praying that what God is saying over their lives, that you're speaking life into them. I, I hope that they are hearing that from you. But then there's another step to that, and I hope that they begin to see it in your life. That you're not bound by fear, that you're not bound by anything other than walking in kingdom truth in your life. That when the world raises up some nastiness, that you're willing to say, listen, my God is sufficient for everything that I'm in. And maybe, just maybe, when we're on our mission, that they would actually not just hear it, but that they would see it. Now the third one that, that we have in there, the third piece to this, this mission is that they would experience it. I, I believe that so often we can read the scriptures. We read the Old Testament and we can get caught up in the stories. And the stories are good and, and I believe everything's good. But the whole Old Testament is pointing to the Savior of the world coming to the planet. The Savior of the world is coming, and and all the prophets are saying he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And when he came, the world experienced a shift. The world experienced a transformation that happened when Jesus walked the earth. And every person that came in contact with Jesus, as you read through the New Testament, every single person experienced the kingdom of God. And he's asking us today as the church, whether it be the summit or wherever you go, he's asking the church of this hour to be that experience to the world. That when they come in contact with you standing in the line at Starbucks because they're all backed up with orders because it's busy. That when they come in contact with you, they experience the kingdom of God. And so sometimes we get caught up in, in just going and telling people about Jesus. Or sometimes we, we say, listen, I'm going to live my life in this, great, in this way of following kingdom truth in a great experience. People are going to look at me and they're going to say, wow, I can actually see the kingdom of God. But what I want to talk to you today about is what does that look like for you to display the kingdom of God in a way that people would experience the kingdom of God. We can't just limit it to the two, we have to bring in the third one, that people actually encounter Jesus when they meet with you. So we are on mission at the summit. We are on mission. That's an action term. This whole series is about taking action. It is time for the church to step out of the walls and get to the world. And we've talked about it and we understand that, but we're on mission to ensure that every man, woman, and child have repeated opportunities, not just once. But every time they meet you, every time they hear you, every time they see you, repeated opportunities to hear, see, and experience the kingdom of God. Now, I want to go back to a little bit of last week. We understand and we've been talking about the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, the cabinet of God, the people that are called out, that are called to take the mind, the will, the emotions, the experiences, the desires, the encounter of the king, of the creator of the world, to bring all that to earth and do what with it? It says to legislate and rule, to have dominion, to legislate and rule what God wants on the planet. Now I know if you're looking around outside the four walls of this church and you're looking at the world and we can all get caught up in it, that, that oftentimes there is another kingdom that rules our lives because we're caught up in the in the minutia of the world we're we're in the world we're not of the world but sometimes that gets so heavy and so strong and so so noisy that we have to unplug ourselves from that and reconnect to what God wants in this season and in our lives and so we talked about how the ecclesia is like a cabinet that the cabinet is making the he's executing what God wants, and that's our job as the church. When God says, I want you to gather together as a multicultural, multi denominational organization, I want you to come together and I want you to declare the kingdom of heaven over a region, then that's what we do. Because our mission at the summit and our mission here as a family is that they will hear, see, and experience the kingdom of God. So when there are things that God is saying in the region, we're going to participate. Because we're going to help people to see, hear, and experience the kingdom. And I'm just wondering, when will we as the church make that our primary goal? When will we as the church not worry about all the things that I talked about last week, all the good things that we could be doing in the world, and get to the great things that God has for us? You see, the church for a long time has been talked about not having the influence and all that stuff. That's fine. But if we get back to where we started, If we get back to where we started with Adam, you see, church, there's there's two times of church. There's two dispensations of church. There's the church pre-fall and the church post-fall. The church pre-fall, God created, he, he, you know, hovered over and he spoke and things were created. And then he went to the ground and he created a race. He didn't just create Adam because in Adam was all man. So he created a race and he called that race Adam. And when he created Adam, so I want you to picture, we won't have anybody come up here because we got lots of awesome boxes up here. Thank you for all those who did that and we'll pray over those at the end. But that we were created in Adam. We were created in Adam. And so that we can look at that and say, okay, so who was Adam? Adam was the first cabinet. Adam was the first ecclesia because... The ecclesia is the called out people that are supposed to take the mind, heart, desires, and will of God and implement it upon the planet. And so when he created the race of Adam, and we're all in there, when he created the race of Adam, he created them with the understanding that Adam was going to execute, rule, get, put his mind, will, all that stuff upon the planet. It says that he would name the animals, that he would do all that, that he would have dominion, that the race would have dominion, that the ecclesia would have dominion. And he said, Adam, now I've put you, I've created you, I'm going to put you in the garden to have dominion. And that is church. So what is that? That is the ecclesia taking action. Now we can, we can say it's amazing that God would actually walk in the garden with Adam. That he would have communion with Adam. But the focus of the creation of Adam wasn't just communion. It was dominion. And so we can rest... In saying that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden and they fellowshiped together and there was communion and that is necessary and I'll tell you why it's necessary in a minute. But the original creation of Adam the race all were in him. The original creation of Adam the race was creating the church. And it was pre-fall. So everybody that ever walks the planet was in Adam. Everyone. So when Adam fell... All of humanity fell. Now, the fall, as we've said in the past, the fall was not a fall from religion. It was a fall from government. And we see that in Genesis 3, the, the fall of mankind. He lost dominion when he, when he and Eve ate of the fruit. They were the cabinet. They were the ecclesia that was turning against, if we would want to say, the president or the king. And so they turned against the creator of the world and lost The call, the dominion, the mission that they had been given at creation. And so for all that time, we see that those prophets, everybody in the Old Testament, all those stories were pointing toward a restoration process. Now, what were they restoring mankind to? We know that this pre-fall church was filled with some amazing things. It was filled with God's judgment. It was filled with God's vision. It was filled with God's dominion mandate upon the earth. It had all that stuff contained in that man who we all were contained in. But that was Adam before the fall. That was the Ecclesia before the fall. And then there was a church after the fall. Because Adam disobeyed the government of God now, I, I want to ask you today, and, and I know that in history this has happened, and I, I'm not going to point to different times in history, but just imagine that the cabinet that was appointed by a president would ultimately say, we're not doing what you want us to do. What would happen, there would be, there would be unrest, there would be disorder, because they took upon themselves their own ideas. If an ambassador of a country goes into another country and just decides... That, you know what, I'm not going to implement the rule of the, the nation that I represent. I'm just going to do what I think today. And whenever I do what I think today, it's just going to be my deal. I'm here. No one's here to rule over me. No one's here. I, I know I'm called to implement that, but I'm just going to do that. We would call that sin in the Bible. That's what we call sin in the Bible. Now, whenever I was growing up, whenever I was growing up, I believed that sin was... Don't be drinking, cussing, smoking, doing dope. Don't be sleeping with other people. This is all sin. But there's one problem with taking everything that we see in Genesis and everything that we see in Scripture and, and taking all that dominion mandate and bringing sin down to those acts that would cause us harm. Because that's not really what sin is. If we go back to Genesis, sin is this. Sin is rebellion that's simple god makes everything simple sin isn't this list of things that the church told you not to do and do and do right no sin is rebellion against god and and i i spoke last week and i am man i i really feel that god wants us to hear this Last week, I talked about all the good things that we can do that distract us from the great things that he wants us to do. Now, this week, I want to tell you for a few minutes, I want to talk about the things that distract you from what he really wants you to do. You see, the enemy can use good things to distract you from what God's called you to do to have dominion, but he also puts bad things in your life that we call sin, that we we think of as sin, that can distract us from the best that God has for us. The sin that keeps you out of heaven is rebellion against the king it's not just the 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 doing the dope or the the drinking the alcohol or whatever that those are those are things that contribute to your rebellion but they don't convince they don't take you they don't take you to shield those things don't take you there but rebelling against the king and saying i want no more of you will take you there we see that in adam Adam said, I don't want any more of you. I am Adam. I am the cabinet. I am the ecclesia. I am the church. And he said, I want no more of you as creator and leader of, of the world. I want no more of you. That takes you to eternal damnation. But the rest of the stuff that we equate as sin doesn't take you there. It can guide you there. It can destroy just make you deranged in your mind to where you rebel against god and you say i don't want you to have any part of me and then yes you're going to go there but jesus was the key to bringing that back he eliminated rebellion for those who want to receive it but for so long for so long i i i dumbed down what sin really was and i made it about me and not about rebelling against the king and so I live my life, and you've probably done the same, uh, trying to avoid sin at all costs, those actions that we deem as sin at all costs, and we spend all of our time toiling and thinking and trying to fight through. You've done it, trying to avoid sin. I can't drive down that road because there's sin there. The, I, I can't do this thing. I can't go to this place. I can't. All those things that we, we weight ourselves down with Because of the actions of the things that we call sin when the Bible just says sin is rebellion against me. And so the enemy wants to throw all those things into our life every single day as little nuggets of things to distract us from having dominion on the planet. And so for many people their life has been so bogged down with religious activities and religious conviction against these actions that they actually miss the calling of God on their life and their mission. So not only do we have good things that we can be distracted by that take us off mission, we can have those other things that take us off mission, but what we really need to worry about is the people on the planet, including ourselves, that have resigned to rebellion against the king. That is what brings you for eternity in hell. So the church has been so much about cleaning up the fish, let's get the fish to understand. Let's get people to understand that yes, you've got broken pieces in your life. We understand that. Just, just get into alignment with what you were created for. And what I found is as we lead people into understanding of who God is, when they meet him for the first time, when they meet Jesus for the first time, some things fall off right away, but other things don't. And that doesn't condemn them to anything less. It doesn't doesn't make them anything less. It means that they met Jesus. Jesus transformed their identity. He changed their destination. And they're in a discipleship process if the church is willing to get dirty. If the church is willing to get dirty, they're in a discipleship process that doesn't condemn them for what they're doing, but says, listen, you know what? It takes, I don't know, I can tell you on a can of Pepsi, it takes a few minutes to drink a can of Pepsi. I probably assume it would be the same for any other alcoholic beverage. But you know what? It takes you some time to sin. But you know what? It also takes some time to get into the Word of God and actually read something interesting and learn who you are. And so it isn't this condemnation thing that the church for so long has condemned the world. It's just to say to them, listen, it takes time to sin takes time to fornicate. So let's not do that. Let's spend that time learning who we are. Let's learn what Jesus said about us. Let's, let's take this word and let's open it up and let's say, you know what? This is what God says about me. Because when you're not connected to the king, when you rebel against the king, you can't execute his judgment. We see when Adam sinned and Eve sinned, That the Holy Spirit had to go. They couldn't execute his judgment on the earth anymore. They lost the power. And so there are times when, when we as the church in the past. I'm going to use in the past. When we in the church in the past have looked at the world as people who are living in sin. The only sin that the world is living in is rebellion against the king. The actions that they're doing are distracting them from the best that God has for them. And if we engage in discipleship, if we engage in evangelism from that perspective, the the playing field gets a lot bigger. When we engage in evangelism and discipleship from the process that everybody's sinning all the time, it becomes this daunting task. And who's really going to listen to you if you're talking about that? I believe it's time for the church to say, listen, we understand that there's lots of actions that probably aren't good for your physical body they'll probably hurt you, harm you, and who knows what you'll end up with as consequences for your actions. But what we know is, is if we can keep you from rebelling against the king, we can work on all this other stuff. It doesn't send you to hell. It just means that you're delayed in what God has for you, or you may not be accomplishing everything he has for you because you're distracted. But see, it's not just about the sinner. It's about the good stuff that we can be distracted in too. You see, everywhere that God has called you, the enemy is calling you the opposite way because there's always a counterfeit kingdom to what he's asking you to do. And so we have this this paradigm of all these things that the enemy sets up for you to fall into, and we see that Adam and Eve fell into that. And so the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones, fell into the trap of being distracted from what God had for them. So we know the purpose of the cabinet is to get the mind of the king, get the understanding of the king, to turn that into a law and to execute the law in the country in which you're placed. That's how we know that we're effective at ministry. We don't know that we're effective at ministry by just coming here and doing this, We know that we're effective in ministry when we see kingdom things that God has said, and He says, Do this, do that, do this, do that in His Word. And you act those things out. You take them from being theories, you make them into practical things that God has shown you, and you turn those into legislation, and you say, I'm going to use this legislation to support what God has said about our region. So, what does that mean? Where does that go? Because we all deal with the battle inside of us. Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I do. And I'm all confused, and who can help me? Who can help me? He says, for the good that I do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do not want to do, it is no longer the, no longer I who do it, but sin who dwells in me. That's the rebellion against the king. The rebellion against the king is contributing to these other factors and so we need to focus on engaging our world if we're on mission we're not on mission to condemn or or to to speak down to the world we're on mission to convince them that there is a dominion mandate that they have as a created person all the way back to adam that they are called to execute upon the earth and they need to stop their their heart of rebellion against the king And they need to stop doing that. They need to come into alignment with the King of Heaven and say, this is what we're called to do as humanity. And that is to love one another, to allow the Lord to guide us wherever we're at, to execute His judgment. And all these things will wash away when we focus on who He is. We must spend our time worshiping the King. Now, I want to take you back to the walking in the garden. The communion in the garden is a great example of what we're supposed to be as the church, not what we're supposed to do as the church. The doing is to have dominion. The being is to be in communion. And oftentimes we get that messed up. We think that our our goal to do is to just engage with him. That's our goal, to be. We're supposed to be so much with him that when he thinks something about you, when he thinks something about somebody in your family, when he thinks or has a heart palpitation about something that you're doing, you know it. You see, Adam lost all that when he rebelled against the king. That means that when you're going about your daily life, That means that when you're going about doing the things that you want to do in your humanity, the work that you have to do, whatever, that we're supposed to be in communion all the time. It says pray without ceasing. What does that mean? That doesn't mean that you just spout off all the time. It means that you actually have a two-way conversation with God. And when we're focused on Him, we realize that some of the things that we've made out to be so horrible are just distractions from time with Him. They shouldn't consume who we are. The more you, I can, I can tell you this from experience, the more you focus on something, the more you're going to have it right in your lap very soon. So let's stop focusing on the nonsense. Let's start focusing on what he says about who we are. And let's talk to people every single day. Let them hear, see, and experience the kingdom of God, the rulership of the creator of the world. The next time that sin comes against you in any form, In any form it could be just a passing thought it could be a a, an urge to do something it could be whatever I want you to just I just want you to speak out loud and say devil I am too busy following the king devil I'm too busy to be distracted today I've got too much on my plate God has assigned me to to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and I am too busy to mess with all that stuff today and when you get really good at doing that You'll be able to let all those other distractions go. And you're going to be able to talk to people and say, listen, I know that, that we've been discipling together. We've been working together on this process for six months now. And you know, some of the things that you come in and you're struggling with, every time we meet, you're struggling with the same things. I think that if you just tell the enemy every time that those things come up, that you're too busy to deal with it today. Your schedule's full. God's got you on a plan, you've got things to do, and you can't deal with all that today, I think you'll see a shift in your life. I want to take you to a scripture that I believe will illustrate what God wants us to engage in on a daily basis so that people will experience the kingdom of heaven. If you turn with me to Matthew 8. Matthew 8, there's this this story, and, and it's, it's in, it's in other Gospels, but we're going to go to Matthew 8 real quick. and we're going to read about how Jesus healed the Centurion's servant. It says, "Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, "Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented." Well, one thing I want to stop here and talk to you about is is that there are people all around you that are thinking the same thing that have a heart of compassion for people around them and they're asking and crying out for God to do something. They're asking and crying out for God to be the solution. And what I love about the centurion is that he had this heart of compassion for his servant. And I believe that that's what moved God quickly. Jesus was moved quickly here because of the compassion that he had for his servant in that moment. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. There wasn't much discussion about his his life. There wasn't much discussion about the, the things that distract him from who God is. There wasn't much discussion about any of that. He said, listen, I will come and heal him. There are so many things that the spirit of religion has put on us as believers that have been believers for a long time. That would make us qualify when someone has a heart and a compassion for someone that they know that would make us actually qualify how long it should take till we get there. Come on. You're not even you're not even engaged in what I'm saying. You've all done it, you've all had the thought. You've all had the thought. Jesus didn't think about this, this servant. He didn't think about the centurion's life and, and where they are, He just where he was. He just said, listen, I'll come and heal him. It's about time for the church to stop messing around when people call and say, go to the hospital. And stop, stop thinking about whether they'll let you in or not. You just go and do what he told you to do. Jesus demonstrates this. He doesn't say, well, you know what? If, uh, if you perform these things, if you give up alcohol, if you do all this stuff, no, then, then I'll, no. He says, listen, I'm here to display the kingdom of God, and you've asked, so it'll happen. If you're here today, if you're watching online, and you're, uh, I know, around the region, there's lots of people that are sick, and it's multiplying, and we cancel all of that because it's just going to stop. But if you're here today, and you've asked the Lord to touch you, it's done. He's already done it. He said, I'll come and do that. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what you said yesterday. It doesn't matter. He's done it. He comes to do it. And he asked us as the Ecclesia to say, look at my desire, look at my heart in everything that I've shown you in the word. Look at that and execute that so that people experience who I am. Then the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. This is what we were talking about last week, that Jesus waited all those years to come and actually execute the kingdom of heaven on the earth because Rome understood what this was all about. And you've all heard the story about what the centurion was and he had people underneath him and we're going to talk about that, but listen, the kingdom of heaven executes if we engage with it. For I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly assuredly I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. He understood the kingdom process. When the king speaks, it happens. When the centurion speaks, his people do what they do. When we as the church speak into situations, it happens. We have to understand, church, that he's given us a lot to do. He came back to bring back dominion to us. And he gave us the example of how he wanted us to walk. Acts 2, read the whole New Testament. That's how we're supposed to walk, everybody. We're not supposed to cower in fear over something. We're supposed to walk as he says to walk. Now, there are times when he says, listen, I don't think you should do this thing. And then you get into the question in your mind, well, let me think about that for a minute. Should we really cancel that event? Should we keep doing that event? No, he said don't do it. Is it because you're in fear? No, it's because the king said don't do it. And then people around the people will gossip and say all these things and all this fear goes on and on and on. And it says, you know, what should happen to those people. I, I'm just saying, listen, if he says it, we do it. We don't question it. If he says to go sit down in the bar next to that guy because you're supposed to go meet him there, then go do it and do what he says every single step of the way because he knows what that heart needs. He knows what that person needs. And we don't go there with a condemning heart. Although if he tells us to say something that would push the limit, which he normally does, then we just say it. Because they're not mad at us. They're mad at him. God has to be at the center of your life. If we're going to execute a mission of being upon the earth and executing his dominion, God has to be at the center of it. We see what happened to humanity when God was taken out of it. And mind you, They took God out of it. He didn't just leave. In fact, all through the Old Testament, He was chasing them down, trying to get them to do what He wanted them to do. He never gave up on them. And He doesn't give up on you. But it's your choice whether you engage in the mission. It's your choice every single day. The Scriptures tell us that we're supposed to be salt and light to the world. It's your choice whether you flip the switch. I love that we sang about Being filled up. Because Jesus was ministering out of the overflow of his relationship with the Father. You want to know why the church hasn't been effective? It's because we've been trying to minister out of what is in us. And so we go get a little and we give a little. And then we get a little and we give a little. And we get a little and we give a little. And that's just like fighting sin. It's tiring. He's called us as ministers of the gospel to fill up on who he is. And to get so much of Him in us that we overflow with His power, we overflow with His blessing, we overflow, and we minister to others out of our overflow. We have people every week that are dropping off the map of Christianity that have been ministering great ministry directly from the Lord that have stepped out of ministry because they're so drained and so tired and so frustrated. I can tell you, if you go back, they're ministering out of what they're getting from him, but they're not ministering out of the overflow. And we all have that problem. We all have that. I have that concern too. That oftentimes we minister so much that that tank is getting low. But all the aspects of your life are called to be executed out of the overflow of the relationship that you have with Father God. It's what you're called to do. You're called to minister out of the overflow. Jesus came to the earth declaring the kingdom of God, and once his words were declared, the mission of the church was on point, ready to go. Here it is. This is my mission as, as the king. I'm here. I now give it to you. You are now on mission to go do all this stuff. But please... Don't go do it without a relationship with the Father. Fill up to overflowing and give out of the abundance that he has given you. I love that Jesus didn't hesitate. It says in verse 7, so the the call came in verse 6. Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Verse 7, and Jesus said, there was no pause there. Jesus just said, I will come and heal him. A personality who has power in Jesus can always exercise the authority of his wishes because he believes it. A person who has power that believes it is the most dangerous person in the world. A church that understands its mission is the most dangerous thing for the world. If the world isn't reeling when you come, then you're not giving the kingdom. If the world isn't worried that the church is here to make their stand, then we're missing our mission. You see, he's called us to be salt and light to the world. Psalm 33, 8 and 9 says, all it takes is one word. You have only one word to say, and my servant will be healed. This is what the psalmist was talking about. There was one word. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He spoke and it was done. Our job as the church is to speak into atmospheres which our feet will never tread. Our goal as a church is to to move in atmospheres that our feet will never go, our hands, our eyes, we will never see. But we are called to declare the kingdom in those situations. We are called to be the church. We're called to be Jesus on the earth today. We're called to execute His divine will, His divine authority in every aspect of our lives. So how do we manage our own declarations and promises? What are you declaring? What are you declaring over your life? What are you declaring over your family? I was meeting with a family this week and the, someone in their family has been diagnosed with COVID and um, we were just talking and the words that were coming at me were creating an atmosphere of sickness and death. Just plain and simple. And I said, we're called to release light, to declare the kingdom of heaven in this situation. I will pray with you. I will agree with you. But don't speak death. Don't speak death. Don't come into agreement with darkness. So how are you managing the declarations and proclamations and promises that you're speaking out over your life? I think in this story we can see that Jesus wasn't doing something so that he could be seen. If Jesus wanted everybody in the world to see him heal another paralyzed person, he would have went there, healed them so that people could see it. But that wasn't what he was doing. He was doing it so that the hearts of people would be transformed and faith would be ignited in them. Yeah. That's what was happening here. He spoke. He spoke. Psalm 107:20 Turn there. You've got it or I know you've already got it written and scribbled in your in your Bible. It says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. I'm ready for a church that's willing to send his word to heal people. Send his word into the homes of people in our region when you hear of someone who's not doing well, let's begin to to not not want to be seen, but to want to speak the kingdom into those situations. I believe that we will see through this a great mighty move of God through all the nonsense of pandemic and fear and all of that. I believe we're going to see a move of God because the people of God are willing to speak the word of God to those around them. Not for their own gain. Not to be seen, but to take dominion. It's time that we take dominion. The Lord likes to restore and encourage people that are totally disqualified, totally looking For his attention, he will do it every single time. This centurion was looking for the attention of the person who he had heard was transforming the world. And Jesus took a second and said, listen, this is what I'll do. And the centurion said, no, 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 it doesn't need to happen that way. Assuredly, I have not found such faith, Jesus said. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And the servant was healed in that same hour. We have to get away from looking at the world through the lens of worldly Christianity and start to look at the world from the perspective and through the lens of the kingdom of heaven. And when we see the world through the lens of the kingdom of heaven, the first answer to the questioning heart is, oh, yeah, I'll come. Oh, yeah, I'll send my word. Oh, yeah, I'll do what he says. Oh yeah, I won't question it. I don't care who you are or what you say or how you look or whatever it is. I know that the Lord's heart is that you're healed. I know that the Lord's heart is that you're delivered from that demonic thing that distracts you. I know that the Lord's will is that, that every relationship that you have is taken care of and restored. And I know that the Lord's will is that you as a believer will influence your world. I know that the Lord's will is that every day you get to know Him better, that you get to read His Word. And so you know what? Yes, I will come. Yes, I will heal him. Matthew 28, 18-20 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. He told us where to go. All nations. He told us, don't come back. He didn't say there was a reconstitution plan where you're going to go to a nation and then come back. He said, go to all nations making disciples. He went once to the ground and created the ecclesia. He never went back. He came to redeem that, but he never went back to the ground to pull some more dirt because they messed up. No, he came as the king of glory to come and live as man, the last Adam, and redeem mankind to restore dominion. But he says, go to all the nations and make disciples. Oftentimes we focus on the first part of that, but the emphasis is actually on the second part of that. The first part of it is go, and oftentimes we put the emphasis there, but if you really read the background of the scripture, the emphasis is on make disciples. Now, I know in my own life I have failed at this miserably over the years, that I focus more on going and sharing what God is saying to me in the moment than making disciples. But the command is to make disciples, and as you make disciples, go from one to the next. And we as the church have been told to go to the nations and he doesn't say ever to come back and stop. And yet we get tired. We start working in our own strength and we get bogged down with even the going part and not even the making disciples part. And he's saying, listen, I've called you to go. I didn't give you a command to come back. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you to make entire nations your students. That's what discipleship is, right? Discipleship is raising up students to understand. And he says, your mission is to go to the nations, making disciples as you go, and make those nations your students so those nations will now want to execute my kingdom dominion. It's a big mission. It's broad. And you've got a different vision than the person sitting next to you on how that's going to happen. But the mission doesn't stop. You see, we go through the, we go through the, the curves and the wavelengths of, of what does ministry really even look like. Oh, this, this worked, this didn't work. This worked, this didn't work. No, it says make disciples. It doesn't matter if, if you can be in this building, if you can't be in this building. You're called to make disciples of all nations. The church has been called not to assemble, to sing songs. It says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I get that scripture, but that's not the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to make disciples. So if you're not making disciples, then we're missing the mission of the church. And when we begin to make disciples and to be discipled, no matter if you're 80 or 8, you can make disciples and you can be discipled. Because whatever he gives you out of that overflow, you can minister and disciple people. When we focus on that, we will see transformation. So I wanted to share with you the vision that I have for our mission. And that vision is this. That each one of you has someone who's speaking into your life. Someone who is discipling you in the word of the Lord. That is bringing kingdom revelation to you. That is is speaking into your life. As I go around and I talk to people in different churches, in different areas, and even different pastors all around the country. And I talk to them on Zoom and, and I'm, I'm connecting with them all around. The number one thing that I ask them in the last month has been, who's discipling you? Oh, I'm discipling 30 people. I'm busy. All, I'm, I've got, I'm taking phone calls from everybody at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm discipling all these people. Well, Jesus kept it to... 12 and then three. So 30 might be a little much, but, but here's what I'm saying. They're, they're putting out and putting out and putting out. And yeah, I know they're filling up on the Lord, but if you don't have somebody that you can actually, that can actually hold you accountable, you're missing the boat. And so I'm believing that the summit will be a church, not just a church that gives out, but a church that receives impartation. That when you receive impartation, you take that impartation, you process it in your life, you see transformation, then you go and transform other people. I mentioned the other day about how, last couple of weeks ago, about a, a country where there's a revival going on. And the way they do it is they take them to Genesis, exactly what we're doing right now. They take them to Genesis and they introduce them to the creator of the world. And then they say, listen, on week three, You've learned about the creator of the world. You've learned about mankind. You've learned about the fall. Now on week three, I expect you to bring two people with you. Bring two people back to our next meeting. So on week four, there's three people and the discipler. And as they go the rest of those other nine weeks to the twelfth week, they're bringing people along, teaching what they learned in the first three weeks, and then they're growing together. And at the end, when they get born again, if they make it through the whole process and they get born again and they understand who God is and they see transformation, they now have two people that they're discipling, one person that's discipling them, and they get to understand who Jesus really is through relationship. And that's the kingdom. That is the kingdom way of building his ecclesia. There should be more people on the planet tomorrow that understand their dominion mandate than there was today. The only way that happens is not because we go out and get a bunch of people born again, but because we go out and get a bunch of people born again, and then we disciple them into understanding their call and their mission and their dream. I love that Joel 2 talks about that he will give his, his young, young men visions and his old men dreams. We have a dream board out there and every single week there's things ticking off that board. I was walking by that board last uh, Thursday night and whenever I walked by that board I I was just reading through them and praying over them and one stuck out to me. And I don't even remember the name on it but one stuck out to me I pulled it off I mean I don't remember if there was a name on it but one stuck on it pulled it off and then I recognized the dream because of what it said. And so I dropped a text and I was like hey haven't heard from you in a while because they're off at ministry. And I was like, you're, you're doing this and haven't heard from you in a while. What's going on with the dream? And immediately I get a text back. Hey man, that dream's fulfilled. And I said, what are you doing? In a nice way. I said, what are you doing? Like, we're agreeing for this dream that's already happened like two months ago. You need to give me another dream. I don't care if you're 5,000 miles away. You need to give me another dream because this is a place where God takes dreams and makes them reality." That's what the summit is, because we're in faith that every dream on that dream board will come to fruition in your life. But you know what? He gives us dreams. He gives us visions. Why? Because he wants us to accomplish the mission that he has set out for us to do. And that is to disciple nations. So what I see here at the summit is that you've got somebody pouring into you. And you're like, I can't take it anymore. This is so much good revelation. We were sitting up in the prayer room this morning and, and, uh, and it was like we were just talking before we started praying, and it was really praying, but we were talking because God was just downloading scriptures. It was like, "Zoom, zoom, zoom, there's all these scriptures coming in. Bang, 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 it was all happening. and oh, I, I, I know what that. I know The Lord gave me something here. Let's go to Ephesians. We have to be willing to take the time to sit with those who will speak into our lives. And then we have to be willing to, without judgment, sit with those around us and disciple them into wholeness. Because if we're not going to do it, we can't say we're on mission. If we're not going to allow people to hear, see, and experience the kingdom of heaven through our lives, we're not on mission. We're in religious activity that produces very little fruit. I'm ready for a church that is, has someone discipling. You're discipling two or three other people, and you're meeting throughout the week, and you're texting them, and you're saying, hey, I know that you got that job interview, and I want to pray for you right now. I know you're going there in 10 minutes. I, I right now have people all over the country that I've been texting throughout this week, not that I'm discipling, but people that are speaking into my life, and I'm texting them because they're going to do something tomorrow. In fact, one of them's doing something today. And I texted him yesterday. Hey, I just want you to know that I'm agreeing with you that the kingdom of heaven will be revealed through you to those people. But we have a church that wants to sit inside the walls of our house and watch Newsmax or whatever all day long. And we don't have the heart of the centurion. And so today, I want to speak over you. Today, if you'd stand with me, I want to speak over you. The heart of the centurion's love for his servant. That we would have a love for our community that will never let go. That we will have a love for the people around us that when, when they have a need, we bring heaven. When they have a need, we bring the kingdom. When they have a need, we bring everything that God has put in us and we don't leave anything at home. We say we're bringing it all. And we see situations changed. Because we're in divine alignment with the king of heaven. So let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you are moving and active in our lives. You're not a passive God. Even when we're going away from you, even when we're distracted by the things of this world, you are chasing us down. Lord, I thank you that today our hearts will be transformed into the heart of the centurion who loved his servants so much that he would travel a great distance to meet Jesus. Lord, may we have the heart and compassion for our region that we will disciple, we will be discipled, we will make students of nations because of our obedience to you, our King. Father, help us to be on mission every single day when we don't physically feel like it, when we're stuck in, stuck in a house, as many people are because they've come in contact with people and they're quarantined. Lord, in every single way, Lord, I ask that you would ignite this centurion's heart, the desire to be with Jesus to us, that we would speak the kingdom into every situation. Lord, with everybody being around the country, even around the world, with everybody being in their houses, the church should be more alive today than it ever has been because there's lots more time, lots less distractions, and phones where we don't gossip, but where we would come in alignment with you and start speaking the words. Lord, may you release your gifts in your church, wherever they are right now. Would you release the prophecy and all the different gifts that they would be able to speak to their neighbors, their friends, even through text message. And bring them the kingdom of heaven. Bring alignment to their life. And see your kingdom advance. Faster than it would have with all the distractions of this world. Father, we give this to you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.